0: Hello and welcome to the Home Assistant Podcast. My name's Phil. Joining me as usual, I've got my partner in crime, Rohan. Good morning. Howdy, how's it going? And joining us all the way from Romania is Florin. Good afternoon. Hey guys. This episode is sponsored by Home Assistant Cloud
1: by Navacasa. Easily and securely access your local home assistant instance remotely for a small monthly fee that also supports the home assistant project. The configuration is done by the user interface, so there's no fiddling with router settings, SSL certificates, or any
0: YAML. Uh, okay, Rohan, I'm going to do it. We haven't done it for a while, but here we go. What has the uh, Internet of Things been broken this week? And I think the biggest one to come out this uh, past couple of weeks is Best Buy is closing their Insignia range of devices So if you have, or if you've been to Best Buy in the past couple of years, they've been selling these smart devices under the Insignia brand, you could get some freezers, fridges, smart plugs, even a a camera. They were all uh, Wi-Fi based and they were all cloud dependent. So this week, uh, Best Buy has decided to close their cloud service, which basically renders most of these products just now normal fridges, freezers or light switches. So there's no smart component anymore anymore. The exception, of course, is if you're using the Wi-Fi camera module. That is actually now completely... It's just a paperweight. There's no nothing you can connect to anymore. So, I think we had the State of the Union just last week uh, here for Home Assistant. And Paul has really, you know, drove it home once again, you know, about making things extensible and, and open. Once again, you know, this is the thing, don't buy cloud-required devices. And I don't know, like, do you reckon we're going to go in? Re- is it just like... I remember at the start of the year, Rahan, we sort of had. I think the first three or four episodes were all just, you know, device, like cloud devices breaking. Yeah. I wonder if it's getting into the end of the year. You know, people are busy with Christmas shopping, so you know that's when they're starting to announce these sort of things while people are distracted. Maybe. Do you think that's a a thing? I
1: don't, I don't know. I don't. I don't. I I think it's less that, and then I'm a little disappointed at at Best Buy to be honest, because. Um... I mean, you hear a lot of stuff with Best Buy going. Hey, we've got smart home. Actually, there's there's some Best Buy stores here where they have full out smart home displays, right? Like just dedicated. Uh, like yeah, it totally. Like, it looks like it's like a store in a store. Yep. Um, and it's all smart home stuff and all that. So, so it's it's a little bit surprising to see Best Buy moving there. I, and now I don't know. I'm, I'm I'm I struggle with this one because Insignia for me, so it's. As far as I knew, a lot of insignia stuff was OEM'd through somebody else. Mm. Right. So, even when it comes to fridges and stuff like that now, I guess, I guess they were adding their own logic to the stuff. But, uh, but, but it's, it's unfortunate because there's no, uh, there's no backup plan, right? I mean, a smart fridge is obviously more expensive than a normal fridge. That's right. And so on and so forth. So, I, it's, it's unfortunate that, this is what has come to you. Cause you spent that premium and now it's kind of bricked. Right.
2: Yeah. I think it's also a danger of uh, non core market uh, stuff, you know, because Best Buy yeah. sells a lot of stuff and this is just one of the things they sell. So they're not really heavily invested into.
1: <laughs> yeah. Yeah, exactly. So that, that's, that's a good point as well. Right. So I, I guess, but, but, but even when it is large brands um, and and forget Best Buy, like, I mean, even larger brands, a lot of times you see them going like, I mean, first, for very first episode this year was us talking about Logitech, mm-hmm. right? Breaking a right. bunch of yeah. devices. They These guys are a, I mean, okay, they started with mice and all that stuff. But today, if you ask me, they're, they're more of an IOT kind of company, right? Mm. Building smart remotes and all that stuff. So
2: pretty great one by my view.
1: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I don't, know, but I don't know. It's, it's uh, a shame. It is, it is, it is. But unfortunately, that's not all.
0: Yes, right. And and as you said, there was no, like you said, it was a a white label. The the Insignia brand was just all, you know, like using something else in the back end. But And most of those devices would be like a two-year device. And in the past couple of weeks, uh, two-year actually just Mm -hmm. uh, had an outage. So if you have any, uh, there's a little... So many brands there in each region, you know, basically if you go and you've got a a Wi-Fi smart switch or something, it's a good chance that it's actually going to be a two-year rebranded device. So they had an outage, Uh, AWS in Europe had an outage and during that time there was no voice control, there was no linking or anything of that. So if you had a a two-year device, once again, you were those, you know, four hours or something that they had the outage for, you were pretty much had a, a dumb device. But the good news is for those people, and uh, as Reddit user Obi2Kenobi, which is a great username pointed out, <laughs> uh, if you have the, uh, and they, I think it's called the Smart Life brand, um, there's actually a tool out there that uh, is called Tuya Convert, and that will install uh, Tasmoda on those devices for you. There's no, uh, I don't believe you need to do any, Soldering or anything like that, it's all over the air. So, if you have a smart life branded product and you want to remove the cloud dependency, you can have it act as a Phillips Hue bridge and you can have it communicate with the Amazon Echo directly. Um, yeah, that's a, a good alternative there.
1: Yeah, that's uh, that's pretty good. I mean, it's I, I'm less worried about this one. Um, I think if I buy a cloud supported product to some extent, I'm I get it right? Um, and this one's out of Tuya's hands. Th-
0: there's bound to be an outage.
1: Absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, can they have done better to design their cloud stuff? Sure. And hopefully they learn from this. But I mean, A- AWS also has pretty decent SLAs in the sense that they will shell out money if if your service is down, essentially. Yeah. yeah. But I, w- I would hope that Tuya learns from this and kind of spreads it across, rather than just in Europe. Yeah, have different availability zones and have different, you know, whatever,
0: right? So, and finally, Ecobee are uh, disabling notifications for outages. So maybe this is a, a bad sign for that platform if they've got so many outages. They're it just it's costing them too much money to notify you each time. Uh, so they're going to stop sending those notices to you by email whenever they suffer an outage. So. It, it's probably going to add a bit of confusion, I think, to some customers, uh, but it's probably also going to remove a lot of bad publicity now that no one's going to know, you know, at 3 a.m., at 4 a.m., did the outage go out for an hour? Everyone was asleep. They probably won't notice. But yeah, I thought that was interesting yeah. to see as well. Like, oh, huh, I'm just going to disable those notifications. Like, sort of seems a backward step.
1: Yeah, that's a weird one. Um, hopefully, at least they have like a status page that's constantly updated or something.
0: yeah. I believe someone mentioned that they're using the standard status IO service. And I think they may have exceeded one of the master plans, like one of the big plans for business mm. um, in terms of, you know, how many notifications you can be sent. So it'd be interesting to see how they're going to handle this moving forward.
1: Yeah, that's uh, that's an odd one.
2: <laughs> As a smart home user, I think you definitely don't want less info. That's why you got into the whole smart home thing to have more info.
1: <laughs> yeah. yeah. Oh, that's a great point.
0: And the last thing you want to do is reset the whole device thinking, what have I done wrong? Why isn't it working to find out that oh, it's because their cloud services are down and now I've got to, I've already reset it. So I've got to go and reset it again. Yeah. Yeah.
1: But let's talk about something a little more positive now, Phil. Um, Happy
0: times. Happy news.
1: That's right. That's right. That's right. So Home Assistant had its second state of the union meeting in Amsterdam so there was a ton of stuff to talk about first of all it, it, it's funnily enough it's this is kind of like the global world right so it's the first time uh Pascal and uh Paulus got to meet each other yeah. so that was uh I thought that's kind of funny it
0: was yeah really cool and then they and Pascal was up on the stage as well which was cool to see you know like Paulus and Pascal both delivering you know new topics to, new things to come so that was really cool to see as well
1: yeah yeah but with that said, uh, one of the things that we've gotten a few emails about, uh, I know Paulus gets this pretty much every day, uh, Home Assistant version one uh, is slated for early 2020, hopefully.
3: So we're working on Home Assistant 1.0 and I was hoping that we today could announce Home Assistant 1.0. We realized that, you know, it's, we're, we're not there yet. And so we didn't feel comfortable releasing in 1.0 today. Um, I don't want to make any hard promises, but my estimations is that like somewhere in the first half year of uh, next year, 2020, uh, we should be able to get there.
0: So Paulus reckons next half of uh, 2020 that they will have a 1.0 release. What do you guys think about that?
1: Yeah, I mean, it's it's i know there's a lot of effort that needs to get done between now and then to get it so yeah if he's if he's confident about it and, and i mean we've we've had this conversation Phil with him both on and off the record about mm. 1.0 um and and exactly what he said in that clip is basically exactly what he's told us too right it's it's look if it's if we're going to label something 1. something it has to be usable Right yeah. for for the masses, so I I, I respect the decision that uh, he's been holding back and and or or the team has been holding that back. You know, I'm I'm hoping that we get uh, we get 1.0 sooner mm-hmm. rather than later, but but obviously I, I I'm more hoping for a
0: polished product. Absolutely.
2: Uh, I think the main difference between uh, 1.0 and uh, points before this is YAML. I think Uh, in the past few releases, I've been using less and less YAML. So I think if they get it to the point of almost no YAML or no YAML uh, for most users, then that can be considered
0: 1.0. And I think that's been something that they've been aiming for. So. Gonna be interesting to see. Yeah, I think I think it's
1: gonna be a combination of YAML and I don't want to say no breaking changes, but far fewer breaking changes. Yeah. Um. I think I think they want to standardize everything, get get everything in that right direction, where platforms are all built a certain way and stuff like that. And I know I know I believe there's still some older ones that are still you know still need to be converted to kind of the newer models using whatever specific categories right so i I think once once that effort's done i think i think they're pretty well off
0: Mm. all right well something that was i thought was really cool in the announcement was that home assistant now supports 54 languages including right to left so home assistant really is going global and i always i always sometimes when i have having those shower thoughts i think you know as an I i only speak english so I only get, you know, the English version of the internet. So I can only imagine how many other (laughs) communities and all that there are out there of Home Assistant, you know, in other languages that, you know, I just don't get to experience because I don't speak the language on the internet. So really cool to see that 54 languages are there.
1: Yeah, if I remember correctly in the past, there's been, uh, during some of the uh, October hackathons, there's there's been language support that's been added yeah and and it's that's but 54 is pretty amazing that's that's quite a few
0: (laughs) yeah so i think in just in the last uh hacktoberfest they did a really big push and i think most of the front end can now be translated Uh, before there Mm -hmm. was like you know random strings here and there that couldn't be translated but i think there was a big push uh in the last october to really just get as much translated as possible so really cool yeah clean a lot of that stuff up yeah yeah
1: a lot of people know this, but a lot of people have also been asking uh, for an official Android app that is now in beta. Uh, so right now it's it's only a web view, but hopefully there'll be a quite a bit more that's coming.
0: Florian, I think we were talking uh, offline before and you were saying that you have installed the beta. Is that, I, was that right?
2: Yes, works beautifully. I mean, yeah, it doesn't do for now anything extra than the previous web view, but uh, it's easier to manage. You can use a different browser as a default without having some ridiculous icon because of Chrome and stuff. And <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it, it gives you more flexibility. I enjoy it being an app.
0: <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I'm really excited to try it out. Yeah. And I guess on the same vein, uh, the iOS app is coming out of beta. I think, Ryan, you've been testing the new version, that I think it's 2.0 of the, of the iOS app that's got Siri support and all that.
1: Yeah, I've been using it pretty much since day zero since the day it came out, um, or like maybe a day or two after. Mm. Um, I love it. I love it. Um, and, and I've said this time and again, I think it's fantastic. Um, and between the, I guess, uh, Robbie uh, was calling it like the 1.5, right, which was kind of like the halfway uh, mm. release, and then, and then uh, the new generation of the beta app, which is a 2.0. Um, between then, there's been quite a bit more stuff added. Um, I don't use most of it. To be frank, but uh, I think some there is some cool stuff that actually detects kind of it talks to the health app, which basically um, helps you try helps the phone or helps home assistant rather triangulate which direction you're walking in, so on and so forth. So let's say I'm leaving work and I'm coming towards instead driving towards the house. Now home assistant itself can know that I'm driving that direction. So based on that, uh, you can make a little more intelligent automations, things like that. Yep. And are there other ways to do it? Absolutely. But I think I think it's cool that you have that level of granularity. Um, and and if you don't want that, just don't give it the permissions. Right? It's fine. <laughs> and and you can still give it just location
0: permissions, and it's fine. But uh, I don't
1: know. I, I I just thought like the little things like that were were huge uh, improvements in the iOS app.
0: And I think it'll probably even be out by the time this episode is out and the new releases out so it's very close to being officially launched on the app store i'm just waiting for apple approval
1: and and shout outs to robbie and the team that have been kind of building this out so thank you Mm,
0: definitely you know there's some
1: more good news that came out of uh, the state of the union um frank uh who everybody knows and loves uh joins nabucasa frank have written
0: on his website If I could describe my dream job, I would be being a full-time open source developer, helping the world to become a better place for dedicating my time knowledge to create innovative open source software, allowing everybody uh, everybody on this earth the privilege to enjoy things for free. Yeah, uh, well, Frank, uh, I will say welcome to Nabucasa. So Frank's going to be working on a lot of to do with um, documentation and cleaning a lot of stuff up. So I think having mm-hmm. a dedicated resource on that is going to be great to see.
1: And and that's fantastic. I mean, Frank has given back to the community so much. And I mean, whether you realize it or not, you're probably using one or two things at least that Frank has built out in Home Assistant. So uh,
2: mm-hmm. he is the app store. <laughs> he, really is the- he is the app store, isn't he? <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs>
1: Yeah, yeah. So uh, he's, uh, I mean, I mean, I can't say nicer words about Frank. I mean, the guys, the guys put out so many awesome uh, integrations and so on. So i um, I mean, I'm, I'm happy for Frank. So yeah, and congratulations, that's... Frank, if you're listening. Yeah, absolutely, definitely. Congrats.
0: Um, all right. And so here is one of the shocking ones from uh, the State of the Union. Home Assistant is teaming up with Stanford University to integrate a new private assistant called almond so almond is basically like a you know an Amazon echo Google home sort of competitor I could say uh, but it's designed to run mm-hmm. either in your own private cloud so an instance you know a server running on the internet in your own you know infrastructure or it can even run you know if you've got a a nice big computer or home lab at home Rohan this would be you <laughs> yeah uh, you know that you can run there's basically three parts and so I could go ahead and try and explain those three parts, but here's Paulus who's going to just explain all the moving parts and, you know, the, how they integrate now with Home Assistant.
3: With Almond, um, there's three different parts. There's the App Store, which kind of have, like, the different skills that can be added uh, to Almond. There is the neural network that converts sentences into, like, a mini program. And then there's Almond Server that will actually execute this program. And so... The way it works is that Home Assistant will send its sentence to Elman server, Elman, and including the context of how the sentence was said. Elman server will send this to the neural network, which converts it into a program, and I've shown like, on the, just above the neural network box, you can see like, a small of crypt, piece of cryptic text, and this is kind of the program it sends back to the Elman server, and as you can see, the sentence of the user has been converted into a program, but this program doesn't know anything. It's very generic. Yes, it talks about the user wants to turn on a light bulb, but only, like, it doesn't know which light bulb. It doesn't even know which light bulbs the user has. Only Elman Server knows. So Elman Server will take this program It will see which skills are referenced. Any skill that is not available, it will download it from Thinkpedia. These skills can go to the internet to fetch extra data for you. It can go to the New York Times or other news sources, Twitter. And then all these things... Almond uh, Server will use to generate a response and send it back to the user. And so Almond Server, you'll have three different ways of running Almond Server. There's a hasSIO add-on. You can use a local installation, and you can use Almond Web, the hosted version by Stanford. And then the neural network, which is pretty heavy to run. You can either run a local installation, or you can run a version hosted by Stanford.
0: This is going like this is really cool. And I, I do like that they somehow managed to keep this mm-hmm. under wraps. The ability for people to start customizing their own smart assistant. I know with my Amazon Echo, there's, you know, I would like to be able to have more granular control. I know there's routines or whatever the equivalent is in uh, Amazon Echo yeah. for me to be able to customize those voice commands. But to be able to really have a, a full control and not necessarily have to give up my privacy to Amazon. It's yeah, really exciting.
1: Yeah, it's 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 actually kind of cool because um, I'm I'm looking at the website right now and uh, mm. so they, t- they talk about programmable uh, notifications, right? So I mean one of the one of the examples that they give is, hey, alert me when the price of Bitcoin is below thirty six hundred dollars, right? And and then it actually goes out and it goes, okay, notification from so you know, let's say some time passes. Mm. so a notification from cryptonator okay the price of bitcoin is 3500 514 blah 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 and and so it's it's actually really intuitive that's this is kind of cool um you know i i think the way they stitch and stuff like that just at least looking at their website now this is the first time i'm i'm hearing about almond but um is is through this but this is uh it is very cool yeah I I would I would replace this with my Amazon Echo or so or whatever, right? So I love
2: the idea of being able to define your own wake word without calling a company every time. Oh, <laughs>
0: yeah. yes, absolutely. Yep, Imagine like yep, Rohan, yep. a world where we wouldn't have to be careful what we say, <laughs> right? Yeah, like, where yeah we could exactly. just Say names and not have to worry about like needing to edit it out later because we're going to activate so many devices.
1: And uh, and at least, we, yeah, that that'll be nice. Well, well, I think I think what'll make it harder is with Almond. I mean, we might say somebody's name. So let's say let's say let's say I name my assistant Florin, and every time I talk to Florin, <laughs> hey Florin, <laughs> and it's gonna be. <laughs> yep, that's true. <laughs> But no, this is uh, this is definitely very interesting. Yeah,
0: and I think on the same vein, um, and based on this you know, almond natural language sort of thing that they've they've done, Home Assistant's really gonna take it to the next level. And I'll let Paulus describe this one too, because this could be a way for, uh, and what we were talking about before, to sort of start removing the reliance on YAML a bit.
3: So now where you are, this is the automation editor. So when you open the automation editor, we'll see a new dialogue. And in this dialogue, we offer you to like, hey, just describe in a sentence what you're trying to achieve. And you can just say, for example, you know, turn off the lights when I leave home. And so, when you send this, we're gonna actually talk directly to the neural network, we're bypassing the Almond server, and we get back this ThinkTalk program. We interpreted this Think talk program, and then we see that there's certain missing information because, as you know, the neural net doesn't know about your home. And so in this case, it asks you like, hey, what, where, where, which person do you want to trigger on? And it's so like, okay, it's gonna be me. Then okay, which light do you want to turn on? And we're gonna add support for areas and stuff, but for now we're just focusing on lights. So I want to turn on the, light, the, light, the ceiling light in the living room. Now when I click create automation, you can actually see the name is set to the sentence that the user set because there is no better description to a user what the automation does in its own words. And if you go down, you can see that the trigger type is already set for when the, the person, Paulus, arrives in the home zone and then the action is already set for the, the ceiling to be like turned off. And so with this, we'll be able to you know easily create animations that you can later then tweak.
0: That's actually really cool in that you'll be able to just type in a sentence, turn on a light when I get home and home assistant will be able to... Cr- like, populate the YAML for you.
1: So, and and I guess they're relying on Almond for that then.
0: Correct, yeah. Interesting. You wouldn't even need to have, like, the, you know, you wouldn't even have Almond as set up as, a, like, a voice assistant. They would just use the neural net component of that and then go ahead and use that to create the automation logic behind it. Wow, that is, I mean, yeah, that's cool.
1: Right? <laughs> there's, there's no, 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 no nicer way to say it. it. That's amazing.
2: Most of the time... When you want to do an automation, it can be uh, enunciated quite simply. I mean, just mm. turn on the hot water if it's more than 27 degrees and so on and so forth. I mean, it's something which you can easily say in a sentence what you want. And it's not that difficult to process. I think it's basically a bunch of if clauses. But if it can do yeah. all the syntax for you, that's perfect.
0: Yeah. Well, that's it, right? Like if you think about trying to design an interface to create these automations, like you've got node red where you have to click and drag lines and all that into different nodes. You've got, or the current automation editor, we've got a series of drop downs and all that and you have to select the device that you want it to happen and put in all the conditions and stuff. Yeah. The fastest way really is this, right? Like just type in what you want it to do and let Home Assistant try and, you know, pre-create as much as it, as it can for you like it's genius
1: yeah i think i think for me at least building automations is one of the more painful tasks in, in any smart home platform yeah right? exactly whether, yeah and, and and to your point phil that's kind of across the board whether it's node red or using the yaml automation tool or you're using the, the web one or app daemon or whatever it's just automations are painful <laughs> right yeah um so, so I think I think this is a great step forward and, and, and I think if they can pull this off, this would be amazing.
0: Yeah, I'm really excited to have a proper play with this and just type out what I want it to do. Mm-hmm.
1: I think it's
2: also useful for best practices because sometimes you might want to do an automation and there are several ways in which to implement it and mm. you don't necessarily find the best one, but you find something, whereas this one could already know what the best one is and use that. That's a great point, actually.
0: Yeah, and start creating... Uh, consistency as well so that you know it's easier to share and people that are sharing the same thing sort of you know having the same sort of layout to their automations as well
4: Yeah. yeah hey everyone i just wanted to take a minute to talk about the eufy video lock it's a smart lock that's really easy to set up with just a Phillips screwdriver and no extra drilling it's got a keyless entry so you don't need to worry about fumbling with the keys when your hands are full Also, you don't need to worry about handing out extra keys when you're in a pinch, your kids losing them, or people copying the key and passing it around to each other. Something else I like about the Eufy Video Lock is that it has a camera built in and it works as a doorbell as well. Personally, I think the Eufy Video Lock is great for apartments or cottages where you can't necessarily add extra holes for a video doorbell. My favorite part about it though is that there isn't a monthly fee and your recordings are locally stored. So you don't have to worry about someone else owning your doorbell data. You can find it on Amazon. Or if you want to know more, search Eufy Video Lock. That's E U F Y Video Lock. Or visit eufyofficial.com/slash video lock to see how you can gain complete control of your door.
1: Yeah, I mean, there might be, I mean, there's always more than one way it's going the cat, right? So, mm-hmm. in, in to, to your point, floor, and there might be, you know, I achieve the one automation when. 10 steps and you might be able to do the same thing in two, right? So, yeah. whereas, you know, obviously that is more efficient. So um, that's, that would actually be pretty, that, I, I didn't even think of it from that lens. That's a great point. So let's, uh, let's kind of digress a little bit and talk about uh, 0.102 and what's coming out uh, in this release. So a couple of new features. So there's a new way to link integrations with HAS and OAuth 2.0. So what that means is if there's integrations that use OAuth 2, it's really easy for it to actually plug in uh, with Home Assistant now.
3: See, account linking, there's a problem. Because a lot of uh, providers, of a lot of brands, because API is like an afterthought, it means that like, you can only link or get the data from a cloud API. And the most uh, popular way of integrating... Cloud APIs, there's like a standard, it's called OAuth 2. And OAuth 2 is a great standard for security wise, but it's not great for a decentralized setup as Home Assistant has, where everybody runs their own installation. OAuth 2, if you want to use it today with, for example, Fitbit, it requires you to create a developer account with Fitbit. Then you have to edit configuration.yaml to enter like some data about your developer account in Home Assistant. Then you have to also make sure that your Home Assistant installation is externally accessible, so that Fitbit can redirect you back once you're authenticated. And this sucks, because this pretty much, based on the simple mode that we described earlier, this would exclude anything that uses OAuth 2. And you know, just to give an example of a big company that uses OAuth 2, it's Google, right? So if we would want to integrate your Google calendars into Home Assistant, it wouldn't be possible in simple mode. And I'd be like, nah, that's stupid. So we came up with a solution. And the solution actually had multiple steps. The first step is that we wrote documentation on how to create Python libraries that talk to OAuth2 servers. Because the handshake authentication, there's some work needed there. And once that was in place, we actually created a new helper in Home Assistant, including templates so that people could easily add these helpers to their integrations to allow OAuth2 account linking. And this is great. but this actually allows users only to do still the local one. So you still have all the problems that we uh, described above. However, then we now added a central cloud account linking service. And so with this service, we have actually created developer accounts. We have uh, made an exter- set up an external accessible URL. And we will route authentication tokens from the initial linking back to your instance. And this means that once you authorize, after that, your instance will talk locally uh, to the servers in the cloud. Um, and the, the account linking server is no longer necessary until you need to refresh authentication. Um, and this account linking infrastructure is very important. And so this account linking infrastructure in the cloud, we're going to make available to everybody uh, from, by, via, for free uh, by Nabucasa.
0: So Nabucasa is going to be providing all that Uh, free there's no nebucasa subscription required so basically they'll be like the man in the middle that will just accept those aworth tokens which is actually really smart and it sort of reduces the need for people have to expose ports on their router and all that so that's really cool like great idea
1: yeah yeah so if you use the somfy component today uh in 0.102 that'll actually be the first component to to ship with this uh with this integration
0: yeah also something that's really cool is a new scene editor and scene services so Paulus announced this at the set union basically it's really cool so you get two new services in home assistant uh if you want to do it programmatically so i think Paulus had the the great idea about the notifications so like just being able to set up your house as you have it like as you want it and then being able to call all right create scene and it creates a new scene based on the state's own what your lights are right now. I think this is something that scenes have been missing for uh, for me I've never used scenes I've never understood the why scenes existed. It, not only in Home Assistant but in all other platforms I I I get the appeal of it, you know, having everything at the right state and stuff, but creating scenes in Home Assistant was uh, a pain in the bum, to put it lightly. But now just being able to, you know, set all the lights up, you know, I want this light green, I want this light red. You know, you could easily do a, a Christmas theme and then go, all right, create scene, and there it is. It's saved in Home Assistant, ready to go. And then having the ability to just have it roll back to whatever else. So you can have a scene created on the fly, like, you know, if you need to shut everything down for five minutes while notifications on then have the scene come in and put everything back it's basically like the the sonos snapshot system it's really yeah so
1: that's kind of cool so i was actually going to say that's it's 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 almost like you're snapshotting or taking a snapshot of current state and saying hey this is now going to be scene a b c d whatever right yep yep um that's and 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 i'm guessing that's like a proper full time scene like it's stored as a actual scene
0: yeah, yeah i'm i'm assuming that there will be and i haven't played with it yet but i'm assuming once you cr- do that uh, create scene it'll be stored somewhere maybe in a mm. scenes.yaml file that you know can't be edited but yeah should be reusable right 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 that's actually kind of cool
1: i've i've actually been looking at scenes to uh so that i could have a single scene for it, i call it my good evening script or whatever so like oh, yeah. you know, before sunrise um, and and I just found that it's it's uh, if I have it as a scene, it's easier for me to pull it into my Amazon Echo because then I can just call right. one trigger rather than saying, "Okay, turn on this light, turn on that light, turn on that light, turn on that light." <laughs> right? Um, whereas it's just a single pull, or, or or from from the Echo, it's just a single trigger, mm. and then I uh, and then Home Assistant I, does the rest. Yeah, exactly, exactly. So. At least that's where I'm kind of... My head is at. But I'm sure there's more efficient ways to do it. But
2: I think it's useful as a guest mode as well, you know? When mm. You have people over and you want to
1: dumb your house a bit so <laughs> so that things that's don't true. happen and
2: irritate people.
1: Yeah. <laughs> yeah, 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 totally. Well, it's nice too because I don't need to be like, okay, uh, I want my this light at 30%, this light at 25% and then test it and then go, okay, you know what? I actually wanted that 37% and like... You know, it saves a lot of that, right? So you can kind of walk around your house and set whatever state you want. And, hey, is this good enough? Yeah, great snapshot, call it, right? Um, and and I think that might be, that. that's also some advantages there. So that's kind of cool.
2: I think we've all been in a situation where we walk around the house and think if a 37 or 40 is better.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. It, it, honestly, honestly, Florin, I've I've as I was setting up my whole good evening script thing that I was talking about, that was actually something I was doing and I was like, okay, let's try 30. 35? Okay, 40? Oh, too much. Okay, go back to 35. <laughs> and and it's like it's it's I I know, I know it sounds really silly, but uh I'm, I'm telling you cuz I've been there. <laughs> and uh but yeah so some other noteworthy updates device automations so it's a bunch of love that's gone into that so a whole bunch of new device support um has been added to the automation builder Uh, we're talking about that talking about uh, conditions and triggers for fans climate locks vacuums and so on so that's that's great to hear.
0: And if you are using the Amazon Echo, there's actually been a whole bunch of improvements done around media players from that are exposed by Home Assistant. So you can do things uh, like seeing uh, like the state of playback reporting, and I think there might even also be the ability to control playback. I haven't tested it myself yet, but it would be cool if you know you've got some obscure local area mm-hmm. controlled only media player receiver something. And now that's exposed to the Amazon Echo via Home Assistant, you can actually have complete control over it as if it was like a, you know, like a Sonos device or something like that. So that's really cool that Home Assistant is now being able to bridge the gap as well.
1: Yeah, no, that is, that is very cool. So, so Florin, I mean, let's, uh, let's kind of talk about you. Hey. <laughs> <laughs> Hi. T- tell us a little bit about yourself uh, and kind of your your whole automation journey. Well,
2: it started uh, a lot recently than uh, a lot more recently than for other people that have been on your show. Only about uh, three and a half years ago, I, I first uh, started using the service which was provided by a telecom company here. It was um, uh, they were offering a smart home hub that I later found out was uh, simplified, reskinned Vera, you know so Z-Wave and uh, worked pretty well Uh, unfortunately their device support was quite limited because basically they sold like 10 products and those were the products that you could add to the device, uh, which uh, you know, in retrospect, I guess was a pretty good thing because it kept people from messing with it too much, especially since it was a, a very underpowered sort of hub. You know, I think it had like I don't know, 64 megs of RAM or something ridiculous. You know, like a right. like a slow router basically. Yeah. Uh, so I um, I used that for uh, for a couple of years and then. Um, Hearing about the fact that it was a uh, reskin VR, I was like, okay, let's get a flow VR and see what it can do, and uh, that was uh, that was a really cool experience. I loved it. It was it was a very good device. Uh, right up until it did something which I found uh, unacceptable, which was that it uh, my door sensor would sometimes not trigger, like maybe 5% mm-hmm. of the time, but it's the oh, front really? door. I know it's not a high-tech security system, but that is like really not cool. And it was a known issue. You know, basically it um, uh, it was the way in which they handled the Z-Wave network uh, just sometimes caused the of pond to appear. So I started mm-hmm. looking for... Um, for alternatives and i came across my new religion home assistant <laughs> last summer
1: <laughs> right
2: yeah and uh, you know basically uh, at my at my work i used to do a lot of things related to uh, integration so when i found this platform which basically integrates anything with anything i was like all right let's let's give it a shot you know i um i ran it uh, from the beginning on a on a right. vm uh, initially, it was in Hyper-V on Windows, which proves to be a poor choice because you can't pass through USB things in it. Mm. So, I, uh, I then went uh, to VirtualBox, which I've been using ever since then, and it's impeccable. I especially love the snapshot functionality, which dug me out of many graves uh, in which I Ooh. had to insert myself with Linux. <laughs> sure,
1: sure.
0: Yeah, that's really cool. So, you're running that on a Windows server, and then... Having like it and then running the virtual. Yeah,
2: I, I bought uh, I bought a used uh, uh, Windows desktop PC, just Windows yep. 10, not Windows Server, and install VirtualBox. And uh, d- the decision was actually also to have it in uh, Windows because I I like Blue Iris and it's a Windows only app for the uh, yes
0: the cameras. Mm. Okay,
2: I I tried using some Linux things like uh, Motion I and stuff, and they were just. Uh, I, I couldn't get my head around doing everything I wanted to do with them, whereas this one, you just you pay 50 bucks and you're done. It works perfectly.
1: <laughs> right, right. Yeah.
2: And uh, I got around my house a little bit of uh, everything. Uh, so, the whole uh, the whole point of this, actually, the, the reason why I started was uh, because we, we had a kid on the way and uh, we started thinking about various ways in which we could improve uh, our lives uh, using these things uh, in this context sure. so initially uh, the point was using um, uh, lighting that could be accessible from the phone because uh, when you're uh, like let's say w- when the kid is sleeping at all hours of the day and night when they're uh, when they're very young uh, you want to be able to modify these things without getting out of bed you know i mean mm. that's uh, that's definitely a major thing because you move the kid wakes up chaos ensues, you know, so, uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, so yeah, that was, that was the initial thing. And, uh, then, uh, I just uh, really got addicted to the whole, uh, uh, data points that are offered by sensors. So I just started putting them all over the house, you know, uh, temperature sensors, motion sensors, uh, although the motion sensor a bit uses inside the house because we have two cats as well. So, you know, right. Yeah, <laughs> there's always some motion going on.
0: Yeah, so that the cats do trigger those motion sensors?
2: Uh, for uh, some situations, I just pointed them uh, at about, uh, I don't know, like two meters high so that mm-hmm. uh, they can get triggered by opening a door or if an adult walks by, mm-hmm. but yep, uh, right. not by the cats. or uh, Yeah. And, uh, you know, that's, uh, that's been what I've been doing so far. Um, I actually also have a, a Raspberry Pi as well because uh, uh, one of the big things that I wanted to get done was presence detection and I just looked at various, many, many options that exist for this and uh, I, I came across Andrew J. Fryer's exceptional monitor script. And uh, I've been using that on a Raspberry Pi separate from uh, from the server because it seems to work best with the Pi's Bluetooth. I mean, I had a Bluetooth stick on the server, but it was not as good. So um, I just installed it on Pi and uh, I use it with a couple of uh, tile uh, key fobs on our keys. Mm-hmm. And uh, it it works impeccably. I mean, it, it even uh, has a bit of a magic uh, feel to it for the kid because, uh, like, when I'm at home with with my daughter, uh, and uh, the the way the tiles work is that uh, they get uh, triggered uh, when you are sort of walking to the front door, like a few seconds before you walk through the door. And uh, I can always say that, uh, hey, you know, mommy's home just before she walks through the door <laughs> because uh, I get the nice. notification.
0: <laughs> yeah,
1: that's funny. Probably...
2: Yeah. Uh, and uh, yeah, you know, there's all sorts of other things uh, I got around here. I, I set up a tablet recently with a fully kiosk browser uh, because uh, since uh, my daughter's uh, three and a half years old, she can't read yet. So the uh, main... Uh, Home system UI is not the, the best option for that, uh, obviously. Uh, so I set up uh, an account with com and uh, arranged the uh, plan of the apartment. And I uh, uh, actually really like that particular website because if you have a lot of IKEA furniture like I do, it has the actual furniture, like the exact <laughs> ones awesome. in it. You just look look for it by name, you know? Nice, nice. Yeah. yeah. So so I set that up, and uh, it's, been, uh, it's been going really well. Uh, just, uh, just one thing, though, I really would have liked some option to use a clock on the tablet as a screen saver, and I have not been able to get that going uh, with it, uh, both when it's charging and not charging, because Daydream, right, on, uh, on Android, it, yeah. um, it needs to be charging or docked.
0: I think, mm. so I use Fully Kiosk on uh, Amazon Kindle. And for the motion, I think because it's, once again, the Amazon's locked down, I think the only way, like, the motion detection works is it blacks the screen. It doesn't really lock the tablet Mm -hmm. as well. I don't know if you have the same problem. Um, And because I'm guessing that if it did lock the tablet, then it would go into, you know, like the default Android lock screen and then you can't get a nice clock or anything like that. So I definitely could see, you know, it would have to be in fully kiosk, you know, a nice black clock that just scrolls around the screen or something like that.
2: Yeah, I mean they would have to offer it themselves I think in fully Kiosk browser. I-, I use a Nexus 7 2013 myself but the reason being was uh, was that uh, it uh, it is the only tablet that I know of that has wireless charging and this meant that I can mount it to a wall with zero holes basically just Ooh, yeah. Velcro oh, nice. and tape and uh it, it works really well. And of course, being a stock Android doesn't have issues. I mean, I just disabled lock screen, you know. But um, at the moment, yeah, I'm just using uh, fully browser's uh, wallpaper screensaver support. I put in some pictures there and it scrolls through them. Uh, ideally it would have to have a clock i think because it's the only uh piece of software within the tablet that can ignore whether it's charging or not charging so if it could offer that then i would have the clock but otherwise it doesn't seem to be possible at least not without going through some horrible things in tasker or rooting the tablet yeah like that. just uh, yeah sometimes it's not worth it you know
4: <laughs> yeah
2: yeah
0: <laughs> so it's getting to that time of year i guess and Uh, Christmas is just around the corner. I want to hear, have you got a Christmas mode set up for your house? Or what are you going (laughs) to do this year for Christmas? Ooh, what is it?
2: Yeah. Well, uh, last year when I set it up, it was basically – um, the Christmas lights on the tree connected to a smart plug uh, alongside uh, uh, a script, well, not a script, I think it's called something else in Google Home, uh, whereas I could just uh, ask Google Home to start Christmas mode, and it would uh, open the smart plugs that the lights would go on, and it would start playing a uh, Christmas song, I think, uh, White Christmas or something, I don't know, one of them. Ah, oh, nice, <laughs> So yeah. basically... Yes, sound and lights. And uh, uh, this year I think I'm going to kick it up a notch because I got some um, light strips and things in the meantime. So I'm uh, uh, probably going to add those to the to the script and home assistant so that uh, they all get triggered when uh, when somebody says uh, start Christmas mode. That's awesome. That's
0: cool, yeah. So I think for mine, and I, I think I automated it, properly last year so that from the 1st of december it would the house just kicks on automatically kicks on christmas mode so the automation is all there all year Mm -hmm. round but only in december it activates so when someone gets home and it's between i think it's before if they get home before 9 p.m the sonar speakers will start playing a spotify playlist of uh, christmas tunes which just happens to have that mariah carey you know song Mm -hmm. that's famous for christmas around this time of year (laughs) Um, that, that's the first yep. songs so that always play. So you walk in and that immediately starts playing. And I have a whole bunch of Phillips Hue lights around the house. And usually during the, the year I have those Hue lights, just, homelessness will randomly every 10 minutes change their color. But for Christmas, they'll actually go on a, a loop and they'll just loop between red, green, uh, red, and green. blue yeah. for Christmas. Yeah. So, and they'll just go around the house and, and loop colors and then, of course, Christmas tree, the light has to be uh, plugged into a smart plug. So they turn on when we get home. So that's my Christmas automation. Sweet. Raham, what are you doing? Anything crazy?
1: No. Uh, so <laughs> the reason I've been so quiet is so <laughs> lately. Uh, so after I've moved into this place, I, I've... I actually got my first Christmas tree, uh, December 27th or something last year. <laughs> so, uh, it was on sale, whatever. Uh, it's, it's one of those things I just never got around to doing. Did you it.
0: not know Christmas was coming that year? Yeah. It's, it's, it's like, I never
1: got the memo. Uh, no. right? <laughs> so, so th- this is actually really good. Cause, uh, we've been, uh, we've been talking about kind of, Hey, when do we set it up? whatever uh we're thinking of setting it up in the next couple of weeks uh before we leave yeah and uh it's just uh so it's going to be one of those things so this is actually all, all good feedback for me so i'm, j- I'm just <laughs> learning right now going hmm what can i do right so uh definitely uh, i do i am gonna stick a uh Wemo plug for that in mm-hmm. there and uh but outside of that i think uh, i mean even the music part i might do but I don't know. outside of that I'm I I'm 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 open to to suggestions.
0: Yeah, well if anyone's got any other suggestions for us, feedback at haspodcast.io like tell Rohan to jazz up his Christmas a bit this year. <laughs> Give him some ideas.
1: Yeah.
0: Yeah, tell me to stop I, being so lame.
2: <laughs> I, I love that one of the things about this podcast is uh whenever as a home assistant user I think I've gone crazy with some functionality, then you have some guest that comes on and just blows it out of the water, you know, it's like makes you look sane by comparison, you know. <laughs> <laughs>
1: I I keep, I keep saying it's like my it's funny compared to most of our guests and stuff. My stuff is so basic, right? Like it's like, you know, I'm I've got lights, I've got a couple of doors, <laughs> you know. That, that's really about it. I got I got a bunch of echoes and stuff, and so, but yeah. Uh,
2: one uh, one automation that I really like, since we we're talking uh, earlier about automations, yeah. is. Uh, uh, what I like to call a slasher mode. You know, uh, basically, you, um you, uh, I set it up so that there's a script that checks the doors and windows at night if they're open. And if any one of them is open, when I say good night to the Google uh, uh, Home uh, uh, speaker, it uh, basically runs the script and uh, tells me if uh, any windows are open or if not, wishes me a good night without, you know, Michael Myers at the window.
1: Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. That's actually that's actually a really good uh, thing. So that's been that's been something I've it's it's on my to do. I just haven't done. <laughs> um, is is there is there something specific where you where you give that feedback back to? Um, I think so. For me, I, I mean, I'm using the Amazon Echoes, but uh, I'm assuming hopefully it'll be somewhat similar. I have to actually look into it, but like in terms of getting that state to say hey, um, or or this is open, blah, 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 right?
2: I have it set up wholly in Home Assistant. And basically, uh, it's a script that uh, has conditions. And depending on the result, it says one thing or another, you know? So I only have one option in uh, the Google Home uh, setup, but uh, the option is to run the script. And once the script runs, it'll have a specific output, which it will tell me.
0: Okay. So what happens if everything's okay? It's like, you, it's like you say, for example, let's say you say, uh, good night, Google. Does the house say, you know, good night back to you and, and that means everything's okay?
2: Uh, it actually says uh, uh, all your doors and windows are shut, have a nice evening, have a nice night. Nice, like
0: okay. And if they're
2: not? If they're not, it says um, that uh, it actually, um, I set it up as a simple condition where if if any one of them that I'm monitoring is open, it tells me that one of your street windows or uh, bathroom windows is open, so please close it. Uh, I didn't set it up to tell me which one it is because uh, basically it's uh, only one out of three that would uh, be likely, so it's not like a big trek to close if I forgot. Uh, But I wanted to set up uh, feedback even if it's all right because then I know that it ran, you know?
0: Yeah. 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 Yeah, the last thing you want is like did that actually work or not like yeah
2: yeah yeah exactly positive feedback is very useful because even though it might be repetitive uh, you know that uh, things are okay uh, with the automations
1: sure sure
2: and uh, what one other uh, one other script that I like very much is based on uh, presence it um, as you enter the house uh, if it, so we have two uh, tile uh, key fobs. And if any one of them is uh, is triggered uh, that is inside the house, uh, all, all our indoor cameras turn to the wall. That's ensuring uh, very analog style privacy for anybody that might mm. have uh, hacked them because you never know, you know. Mm-hmm. So uh, it's set up so that if all, if all the tiles are outside the house, they turn towards the house. And if they're all Uh, If at least one of them is inside the house, they turn to the wall offering occupants privacy. (laughs) Nice. That's kind
1: of cool.
0: Yeah. For me, I think this is that last barrier in terms of being uh, comfortable enough to have cameras in the house. If they were being able to be turned away to a wall, I think it would just give people uh, a bit more assurance that they're not being spied on because – and this is why I don't have motion sensors in my guest bathroom or guest toilet because (laughs) – sure they're just motion sensors but i don't want someone looking at them thinking is there a camera in there right like what is this guy like doing yeah 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 so i don't have you know anything crazy like that but for having cameras being able to turn around and physically face the wall i think that would give people uh, a lot more assurance that they're not being spied on
1: yeah and i mean that this is it's kind of that's kind of my hold up with cameras inside the house as well right mm. so I, I actually don't personally, I don't, I don't have any cameras inside my house for that exact reason. And it's, it's almost like a, even when guests come over and stuff, I don't want them to feel uncomfortable, right? Going, you, you yeah know, for, for, forget the washroom, just even, even if it's in the hallways or, or yeah. whatever, uh, or in the kitchen, or I don't know, like, like, to me, it's, it's, I myself, even though, you know, even if it is like an offline camera or whatever you want to call it right it's still it's still like not not a cloud connected one where things are lo- recording locally and things like that assist for me it still feels like a bit of a breach of privacy uh personally but you know i and i'm and i'm sure my guests would feel the same way right Being mm-hmm. like okay so uh, i think i think that's the for me my hold up but but i i really like that concept of just turning to the wall of somebody's home
2: yeah, and I have them in very visible locations so that you can see it immediately if it's pointed at you or not. You mm-hmm. know, what I mean uh, that that's another thing because if it's in a place where you don't normally look, then uh, it's you know you get used to it and you don't remember if it's uh, yeah. turned to you or not. But uh, they're pretty straightforward and visible and like black and a white area so that you know that it's uh, uh, that, that it's pointed at you or, or it isn't.
0: What brand? of camera are they that you're using
2: oh just terrible v star cam 30 bucks
0: you know oh really <laughs> and and how are you driving them like are you using blue Eye uh, blue iris was it that you're controlling yes. them through yes yep.
2: yeah yeah blue iris so no no cloud
0: okay and that's got the full pan tilt control from yes yes uh home assistant as well or do you do that through Blue Iris? Uh,
2: no, it does not. Um, so in Blue Iris, I have full uh, panel control. But in uh, Homestead, use a workaround because they are um, on VIF. uh compatible cameras right. in mm-hmm. theory, which is, you know, pretty straightforward standard. But for some reason, they, uh, pan and tilt did not work in Home Assistant using that. So uh, I used one of the many wonderful workarounds that exist in Home Assistant, which was the rest sensor, you know, so I just captured what the, what was going on when I moved them and Save that as oh, a nice. uh, script, yeah. and that was it, you know. that This is what I love. I mean, w- w- with this kind mm-hmm. of method, uh, it's just uh, really anything is possible. As long as it's not uh, very encrypted or using a different link every time, then you can just
0: about do anything. Yeah. that's great. That's awesome.
2: Well, one other little thing, uh, which is just you know, more for uh, fun, but actually is surprisingly useful, uh, that I've set up uh, for... Uh, a the kid is that um, it. Um, there's a text-to-speech notification that goes on in the morning uh, in which it says uh, uh, Nina, it's time to go to preschool or in the evening, Nina, it's time to go to bed and it's like uh, (laughs) uh, it's surprisingly useful because they will negotiate with you but uh, they can't really negotiate with the speaker, you know, so uh, it usually is very useful in uh, (laughs) getting them to do this and uh, getting her to do this and uh, especially the the first few times that I used it uh, uh, she was not getting out of bed and then the speaker would uh, come on and say this and her first reaction was, Oh my God, Mrs. Speaker told me to go to preschool. You know, it's Mrs.
1: Speaker. Yeah. <laughs> That's
2: really cute. That That's is nice. cute. Yeah.
0: That's yeah, right. Like, you well, can't you can't works. negotiate with Mrs. Speaker. Like, she says you have to go to bed. Sorry, you've got to go to bed. That's right. That's right. Oh man that's that's adorable. Yeah. And even
2: though English is not her first language, she she enjoys uh, uh having some interaction with uh with the speaker like uh, she she can ask for some music, uh she can stop the music, you know, so that's yeah. uh, that's pretty cool. And this is actually one other thing which I really enjoyed using with uh, uh home assistant, so uh, I have a Google Home Mini in the living room, but uh, mm-hmm. obviously its speaker is total shit. You know, I mean, you just can't uh, can't use it uh, for music <laughs> properly. Uh, so I I set up um, Chromecast Audio that is connected optically to my home theater system, okay. and linked these two so that whenever uh, I ask for music on the living room uh, uh, speaker, it uh, it automatically gets sent through to the home theater. And um, it, using the Harmony Hub as well, that's why I was saying earlier that I just love Logitech products, using a Harmony Hub, I can actually uh, change the input of the AV receiver every time I finish watching something. So let's say I normally watch a movie and uh, the audio input is from the Blu-ray player. Uh, when I'm done with that, it'll automatically know to switch it back to the Chromecast audio. As the input so that whenever somebody wants to put on some music, right. it's on the correct input for that.
1: Right. That's cool. Yeah. That's a, that's a great uh, use case actually. So is that just driven through, like, are you just monitoring what's being played or what the sources are on, on through home assistant and then flipping it yes. that way? Yeah. Yes. Yes. That's great.
0: That's a great use case for home assistant. Yeah. Just, you're always
2: using the, the best speaker that way.
0: <laughs> yeah.
1: Yeah.
2: So, yeah, I gotta say, it's, it's, it's been such a wonderful experience. Uh, And, and, you know, I was thinking earlier that uh, Home Assistant is not so much a platform as it is a, a hobby, much like gardening or something, you know, because, there's so much you can do there's always something more you can do to it you know yeah. you, you feel like zero limits i mean there's always and and see even a lot of things that you can do without buying stuff i mean without buying more hardware you can just uh, use it in such innovative ways that uh, whenever i look at the forums and see the stuff people are doing it's, it's amazing you know
1: yeah it's it's funny when uh so a colleague of mine uh he he came up to me i think it was last week or week before and he's like Hey, I know you do the podcast. I know, I know you're really into this home automation stuff. He's like, I've been wanting to get into it a little bit. He's like, what do you use and how can I get started? And I'm like, I I use Home Assistant. I mean, and, and, you know, you kind of got to figure out what works for you. And he goes, well, it's free. It's, I can just download it. It's like, okay, I'll play with it. Right. And then if I don't like it, then maybe I'll move to something else. So he goes, he fires it up, and he's like, "Man, it found all these other devices. I didn't even know I could use those." <laughs> <laughs> and uh, and yeah, and I was like, oh, "That's awesome." So he's he's uh, I think he's really enjoying it as well. But but to your point, Florin, it's it's one of those things where you you don't realize how much you can do, and then you start getting creative, right? And it's yeah, like, exactly. okay, maybe what if I get this guy to talk to this thing to talk to right? And yeah. And, uh,
2: uh one uh, one other thing which i really really love about home assistant is the ability to customize the ui uh, to an extent that it provides you a lot more information that you were not even aware you wanted or needed like i have a conditional uh, card in lovelace that um, shows me uh what uh what 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 are the open uh, windows and doors at any one time in the house. And uh, this way, it's very easy to see that, for example, uh, uh, one of the sensors is malfunctioning because like you see the window is open and you see the Mm -hmm. sensor shows closed. Now, normally if you have this in some other part of the UI, it might not jump out at you, you know, but this is Mm -hmm. where you can see exactly what, uh, uh, there's actually uh, in the form of monitoring topic and uh, some of the things that people have set up there for monitoring their various things uh, within uh, the house is just amazing you know like like pretty much enterprise level stuff you know
1: yeah yeah again a lot of people go crazy with home automation
2: Uh, oh and uh, yeah actually it's funny how uh, uh, some uh, bloopers can show up in the situation right because i had i bought a couple of those uh, xiaomi uh, temperature and humidity sensors Uh, the bluetooth ones that you can put on the wall Mm -hmm. you have a little display and um you know, I, I put them up, everything was well. And uh, then a couple of uh, days later, I see, why is this showing me a different reading and home assistant than I can see on my wall? And uh, what had actually happened was that uh, my, my kid had switched them from one room to another, you know? <laughs> so, so so they looked identical, but they were giving the, the other reading. <laughs> oh, no. Yeah. <laughs> That's so funny. Yeah, I mean, d- definitely, it's important. I think to have physical security, not just uh, um, uh, you know, a software security. Because uh, one other thing was that I have all my stuff set up to uh, to UPS, and uh, you know, it's working really well. And then uh, one time I was at the mall, and I got all these notifications that everything was down, and I thought, what the hell, what happened? So I later found out that. Uh, uh, my kid uh, had enjoyed uh, um, uh, the green button on the UPS so much that she pressed it, basically oh. turning it off. Because the UPS uh. is supposed to work if your power is out, but not if you turn yeah. off the UPS. <laughs> yeah.
0: Yes. So, Oops. Yeah. Oops
2: something should be kept under lock and key you know
1: (laughs) (laughs) yeah you gotta cage off your you you gotta have like a power room now hey at least you got an alert that it went down
2: yeah yeah oh yeah yeah use uh, health checks i.o for that with uh, a cron job and it works beautifully because since it pings from outside your house then you always know even if everything is down that uh uh, it's down
0: (laughs) yeah rohan we are going to be back with another episode but you're going to be uh, in Hawaii, so you're going to have a nice little break.
1: That's right. That's yeah, right. So,
0: we'll be back. Normal, I think we usually come out just at the same time as the Home Assistant release. So, I think our next episode will be a couple of days after the release. So, don't stress. We're coming. We'll be we'll be there. Uh, and I, I'm guessing that's going to be the last episode for the year as well. It's going to be pretty close to that Christmas time. So, yeah, uh, Yeah. we'll have one more episode in this. Florin, thank you so much for taking the time and... and Talking about your awesome setup and having so much fun with uh, all your home assistant journey. It's been great. Yeah, thanks a lot. Thanks, guys. All right, cheers. Well, mahalo right That's right, Mahalo. <laughs> yeah. If you want to share your home assistant journey or come on as a guest, reach out to us at feedback at haspodcast.io. That's H A S S podcast.io.
1: The Home Assistant Podcast is hosted by Phil Hawthorne and myself, Rowan Karamandy. For links to topics that we discussed today, check out our show notes on haspodcast.io.